Hello, I'm Lucy Heyman, and I'm a vocal coach and musician's health and well-being researcher. Normally on the Elevate Music podcast, in partnership with Help Musicians, we discuss some of the main health problems musicians might come across in their career. We'll be back with more of those episodes later in the year. But first, we wanted to address the current situation and look at how the COVID-19 pandemic has been affecting musicians. We've seen lots of survey results from organisations giving us a real grasp of how devastating this period has been for the incomes and lives of working musicians. A recent survey by Help Musicians, for instance, found that 99% of musicians they asked were worried about their financial situation during lockdown, and 46% said this had a strong or severe impact on their well-being. But what about the personal stories of the people who've been affected? Across these three special episodes, I'll be talking to musicians, psychotherapists, and leading figures from the music world, commenting on what's been happening and what they've noticed in their communities. In this first episode, you'll hear interviews with Stuart Baxter and Nina Nesbitt about creativity, anxiety, and isolation. Psychotherapist and BBC Six Music DJ Nimone Metaxas offers some advice about staying grounded during these changing times. And we also talk to Mark Richardson, Skunk Anansi drummer and co-founder of Music Support, who recently partnered with help musicians to offer the free NHS-approved mental health support app Thrive to 4,500 musicians. At this time of year, I'd normally be coaching artists in the middle of a busy festival season or tour in person. And although some of that coaching has been able to continue online, I've really noticed singers and musicians struggling to stay motivated with so much uncertainty about the future. And also a lot of sadness due to tours being cancelled and releases not having the support they were supposed to. This is something you'll hear more of on these episodes. So if this resonates with you, please know that you're not alone. So to begin this first episode, here's Stuart's story. Could you start by telling me a little bit about how this whole period has been for you? Well, I guess as it has been for everybody, it's been a very unusual time since the COVID outbreak, especially as our main role as a touring musicians and, you know, people that were traveling around the place. We was in New York when we kind of had to come back home for lockdown. So we was kind of mid-American sort of dates with my band Life. And we was meant to be going on to South by Southwest so we, we had quite a lot of plans. We had a, then we had a UK and European tour and for the US tours and festivals. So it felt like kind of a, overnight, our whole kind of plan for the year just got wiped out. And how was it initially when you got back to the UK? Did you try and like start working or writing or did you just kind of just take each day as it came? For me personally, we got back... Um, and my partner, she was, she came to New York with us and she got really ill with the virus. So we had to sort of self-isolate for two weeks and that was before we got told to lock down. So we kind of came out of self-isolation, we'd both been ill and then we got told to lock down so we couldn't really go anywhere. So we, we was in the house for a couple of months really before we went anywhere. And those first two or three weeks for me personally were quite difficult. You know, mentally I felt really sort of like I couldn't, I just slept a lot and couldn't really stay awake, didn't feel creative and then felt guilty about not being creative, didn't really do any music or anything, you know, creative, just kind of adapted to the situation really and tried to get used to or try and work out what was happening and just, I guess, acknowledge that it's okay to feel sad or confused for a while and, and just live with that and not feel too guilty about it about being productive because there was a lot of kind of 
pressure, especially from social media, about being productive and about using this time to do productive things and learn new things and not waste the time. But it wasn't the time gifted to us as a free holiday. It was a global pandemic. So I kind of spent two or three weeks just just kind of thinking about that and living with it and sort of enjoying the silence as well and using the time to just reflect and then sort of went from that to being really productive and emailed everybody I knew to try and get work. I also applied for a couple of funding bids and various projects and ended up getting a small commission from Absolutely Cultured, which is like a local arts charity. And I ended up making a film and a composition about my isolation, which I've never done before. So I spent maybe two or three weeks while I was going through this process doing that. And that was a really really productive time for me and it it was like a really meditative project that you know I was really focusing on because the film and composition was about silence and the things we don't notice within the gaps so it focused a lot visually on shadows and light and empty spaces and musically it focused on the sounds that you hear in the silence that you wouldn't normally notice. I watched it and it was just such a powerful representation of what lockdown was. And, you know, the birds and and the children's cries and it was just so beautiful. And could you tell me what were you trying to depict in that video? What was sort of motivating you within that creation? It's been a really interesting process to make that video because I kind of saw an opportunity for a creative commission. And I, over the last couple of years, I have been focusing on recording field noises and sounds and making music. I've done some projects with kids in museums making music out of found sounds and it is something I've been really kind of interested in for a while and sat in my house on, you know, in isolation. It felt, I was waking up and I was noticing so much more that I wouldn't normally notice, like the light coming through the windows and the plants, shadows on the walls and you know, the kind of like everyday mundane objects like a radiator or a kettle or, you know, the the things that you just walk past every day and seeing how how they can create like such beauty with the light and the shadows. And as I finished the film and and I wrote the credits, you know, it says in the credits that it was, you know, a response to the COVID-19 outbreak and an act of self care. And I think that's that's how I felt once I'd completed it. I was like, this was an act of self-care. You know, it was, this was me going to therapy or, you know, this was me learning how to be with myself. So it was, it, it's, it's a very interesting thing and I'm sure I'll keep learning more from the, from reflecting on it really. Cause like I said, it, it kind of something I did and then let out into the world. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of us might have got into music initially as a way of, making ourselves feel better, like managing emotions or, you know, as children, we almost go to music because it's so comforting and it's something that can really help us. And then I think as you progress to becoming a professional musician, it can be an incredibly stressful and demanding workplace. And that joy and love and self-care element of music can be lost. It it sounds almost like you rediscovered some of the, almost the magic of music that, that you might've felt initially in childhood. Is, is it almost like that? Did you feel like you were slightly rediscovering it a bit again? Yeah, definitely. And when I think back to before this process and we'd done some gigs in France and then we went to America and I was not in a good place even before this, you know, I was getting really 
stressed out and upset about like little things and I was kind of not enjoying a lot of the the time I was having while I was traveling around playing music you know I was kind of noticing myself becoming very agitated and and kind of angry and I wasn't really sure why so I think yeah being able to make that specific piece of film and music was a really calming thing and I think what I really needed and even now you know weeks later when we got back together for the first time with our band you know since then we've had some really interesting conversations about how we was almost feeling a bit like we was at a bit of a breaking point you know physically and mentally we'd we'd not really stopped for about at least six months we'd kind of just been at it constantly and last year so I think without us realizing we needed this break. So following on from that what are the positive things that you've been doing or you've learned from this time that you think you'll take forward in the future? Personally, the, the things I've learned from this process and this, this kind of forced lockdown are to not, I guess, put all of my emotion and energy into one thing or more appreciate the other things that are in my life that are really, really good for me, like being at home, like sitting in my garden or like seeing my family, you know. When we also, lockdown started, I ended up finishing an album with my uncle who's 70 years old and he started playing music four years ago at 66, he started playing gigs. And we started an album two years ago together, mainly of cover songs, but I just couldn't finish it because I was always saying to him, oh, I've not got time, you know, I've got to go on tour. And, and he's really, really ill with like chronic lung disease and you know and bowel problems and he's not going to be able to sing for long so there was this constant feeling of like I'm letting the family down you know I'm not doing and I think one of the things when this happened was I got to sort of work on that album and work with my uncle remotely and just kind of finish that process and I think I learned a lot from that about finishing processes and and dedicating to things um, and people and not kind of constantly rushing around and constantly kind of having that excuse of I can't do it because I'm too busy all the time you know and I think a lot of the people I've spoke to have said similar things about this process has made them feel like people who've worked in jobs for 10-20 years and now they're suddenly thinking about a change of career because they've had chance to to sit back and think about it. That was Stuart Baxter from the band Life. And if you'd like to watch Stuart's short film that we discussed, search online for Stuart Baxter Equidistant. It is so beautiful and I really recommend it. It was interesting what Stuart said about how hard he found it to create in the pandemic initially. And a lot of musicians I've spoken to have described how difficult they also found it to create under extreme stress. So I'd be interested to hear whether any of you listening experienced something similar. I know I did. I've been writing a book and I spent a couple of weeks just staring at a screen, achieving very little indeed. Thankfully, like Stuart, it only lasted a few weeks, but it was fascinating to see objectively how anxiety affected creativity levels. So Nina Nesbitt also found it difficult to write during this time, but for different reasons. I was sort of in the middle of finishing my album in Sweden. Of course, it has to be in a different country. (laughs) And lockdown happened. So, yeah, it's been a weird one, actually. I've been so busy the past few years touring and writing and, like, my weeks have just been filled. So it's really weird now to just be, like, 
really quiet. And I guess it's all down to me, like how much I do. But yeah, I've just been keeping myself busy, really, trying to stay creative. Also trying to like not feel guilty for not doing anything. But yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I can't wait till it's over. I'm not going to lie. So when you were in Sweden, can you tell me a bit about how did you respond initially when you obviously could see what was happening? Well, I was there like a few weeks before. I think it was like February I was there. And there was talk of it. It was all kicking off in China. And everyone was like, oh my God, is this going to happen to us? We were all kind of like, nah, like surely not. So yeah, then I went home and was all excited, planning for the final trip. Yeah, and then obviously my flight got cancelled and we were put on lockdown. So yeah, just bizarre, really. Initially, I was just trying to write at home, but I live in a very, very small flat in London with my boyfriend and we're both musicians. So it's been quite hard to sort of figure out who is using the studio so it's been like one of us locked in the bedroom all day, the other one in the other room because we've got two rooms. So it's been like a challenge, but also it's been nice to have someone that is in the same industry and like gets it. But yeah, it's, it's quite intense. I'm lucky that he's been there, to be honest. I think I couldn't have lived on my own. I think I would have gone crazy. So yeah, I just started writing really and I've been just doing some creative videos I started posting some of those production videos on TikTok and I found that a lot of people had never like heard of my music. So I was like, this is a great way to get myself out there and maybe introduce the album to them in a different way. So I've been doing that, definitely building the socials that's been going well because now my album campaign like in my head has been pushed back significantly. So I've just been trying to think like, how can I best prepare for that? So I'm just trying to build my socials and just have a bit of fun creatively, try and put a smile on people's face. I was going to say, because the videos that I've seen, they're so funny and they definitely are really uplifting for anyone who's watching them. But I I wonder, you know, obviously we spoke last year and you kindly shared about how you had suffered from anxiety in the past. And it was amazing to see these videos where you were being so positive. And I, I just wondered if there had been any feelings of anxiety that had emerged during this time. I think the thing is, whenever I was logging onto my phone, it was just misery and stress and like really negative things. So I was like, I just want to use my account to like just have a bit of fun, cheer people up a bit. But I've definitely struggled. It's just been so up and down, I think. For me, I'm my boyfriend who's a musician, like, is so up and down because a lot of my friends are furloughed and then they're going back in September or whatever who are not in music or they're working from home, so it's not really changed. But I think as a musician, it's just like, what is going on? Like, will we play gigs within the next year or will, will it be five years? Will it be five months? Like, it's just unknown. And I think a lot of people, especially with, like, releases and stuff like that it's like okay should I wait until this is over and go in like a year or six months or is there going to be a huge backlog and then I'm not going to get like what I was hoping it's really difficult to know what to do like I've, I've seen a few people put things out and it's been great and then I've seen a few people put things out and it's kind of just been swept under the under the carpet so yeah, it's a weird time, I think. You know, like, Charlie XCX made an album, and that was amazing, and I thought that was really cool. 
But then I know a lot of my friends are just holding back and personally I'm going to hold back till this is over. I think it's that uncertainty can be quite triggering for anxiety and stuff. I think definitely in the first few weeks I was like really anxious and I find myself getting like short of breath. And I think just feeling a bit sad as well because you have all these plans, like I had all these plans. I wanted to put my first single out in July and obviously I've not been able to go to Sweden and finish the work so... It's just like, you know, when you, when you build something up in your head and you have these plans and everything gets cancelled. And I think I've just been a bit pissed off, to be honest. Bit angry, bit sad, bit anxious. But then also I've had a laugh with my friends. I've been to the park, seen my friends, a little social distancing picnics and stuff. So it's been nice in that way to sort of catch up with people a bit more. And also just spend time at home in one place has been quite odd. I can't imagine going back on the road now. I think it would be so weird. And you mentioned about uncertainty then. How have you managed that uncertainty? Well, I'm a complete control freak. So as you can imagine, not very well. But I think I've just had to learn to like let it be, like whatever is going to be, will be. And also, I think in this industry, it's forever changing. So you have to constantly like change the way that you do things. So like when I started, for example, it was all iTunes based, like getting the iTunes chart. Then it was streaming. So it's like, right, how do I adapt myself to be a streaming artist? Or like, how do I use social media, things like that. So now it's like, okay, how do I be an artist in a pandemic? It's just like learning to adapt. And like maybe the plans that I had before this wouldn't necessarily work now. So it's like, okay, the world's changed. How can I figure out the best way to get myself out there and make my music work? So I think for me, it's just been like, right, what can I do right now? Well, everyone's online, so let's build the socials. Let's do some fun videos to remind people that the album's out. Gives me like a purpose during the day, something to do. And hopefully like the people that like my music are enjoying it. It sounds like you've been incredibly creative. Have there been any difficulties in creating during this time? Yeah, because I live on a main road, which is so noisy and like I can't record anything that's releasable quality in my flat. So, yeah, it's kind of like frustrating not being able to actually do anything. And I find it quite hard to be inspired in the same place that I like sit and watch TV and eat my breakfast. (laughs) And also just really miss collaborating with people and in like a room, I think. I've tried the Zoom sessions but I really just found them quite hard. There's a few that went okay with people that I'm used to working with. I don't know, it's hard when you use technical equipment to write, like I use a microphone to write and like I use a lot of autotune to find notes that I wouldn't find and stuff. So I do use technology to write and doing that over Zoom is just so long. So yeah, I've just tried to write by myself and I'm also just doing things that are creative but aren't necessarily music so I've started like painting trainers and stuff like that and I don't know just doing stuff that takes up a day. And you said like you're trying to learn what being an artist in a pandemic looks like like what does that now look like for you? For me right now everything's just social media focused because I feel like that's the only way that I can connect with people like I can't put a song out because I can't go to the studio yet and I can't go on tour so it's like okay I could do a live or I can do like a video for people so right now I'm literally just living on the internet and trying to write 
a little bit at home. Luckily, most of the album's done, so there isn't the like crazy pressure of you've not done enough. And I'm also learning classical piano, so oh, brilliant. that's been fun. But I'm just thinking of like different avenues, like maybe I'll. I'm thinking of writing for Sync, which is uh, music for TV and film or adverts and stuff. So that could be a good way to sort of pay off my publishing stuff that I wouldn't normally do when I'm busy as an artist. So I'm just trying to think of like different avenues that I can go down. You know, it's obviously been a really tough time, but is there anything positive that you found during this time that you can take forward? Like learning new skills has been good. I feel like I just don't have time to do those things when I'm like busy and not in a pandemic. (laughs) But I think like really like pushing through the difficult stages of learning something new, I've sort of persevered with it because I have nothing else to do. But I've got like a lot of satisfaction out of learning something new, like the classical piano. I've been a singer songwriter since I was like 15. I'm now 25 and I've never learned the piano properly, which is kind of embarrassing. So I've really pushed through with it and learned some really what I find difficult pieces. And I kind of think, oh, like that's really good that I've done that because it'll improve my writing. So things like that, I think I definitely need to keep doing. And also the social media aspect as well. I think it's really actually like connected me with my followers like a lot more than before. So I've definitely let myself go on the internet, continue to do that probably. But yeah, it's been a nice feeling to feel connected with people that are going through the same thing. That's Nina Nesbitt, and if you want to see some of her social media creations, you can find them all on her TikTok page or on Instagram. Just search for Nina Nesbitt on the app. Up next is my conversation with psychotherapist and BBC Six music radio presenter Nimone Metaxas, who gave me her perspective on Stuart and Nina's stories, along with some advice on how we can all maintain our mental health during these continually changing times. We heard earlier from Nina and Stuart, and I wondered if you could just comment a little on what you heard about their experiences. Well, I think they've both touched on people's experiences in lockdown. I mean, they've sort of really highlighted some of what lots of people have been experiencing in this time. Nina's initial disbelief and her navigating living arrangements... I mean, disbelief that the pandemic was affecting her in the way that it was, what it was like to navigate her living arrangements after that with her boyfriend, both of them needing to use the studio and work out of the flat, which meant compromise, who was going to use it when and and what that really meant for them. And the feeling that both Nina and Stuart expressed about the pointlessness of their profession in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, I think music particularly is often viewed as a, as almost like a not, not, not like a job because it's so fun. So it's kind of, it has that element to it where it shouldn't really feel like a job. But, but there are also deadlines and pressures. And they both talked about that very real sense in the beginning of the pandemic about life and death. I mean, people are dying from mystery disease. It's awful. And therefore, how important is my musical career in amongst what some people are experiencing? And I think the pandemic has really triggered people's existential sense of themselves and almost like an existential crisis for lots of people. I think it's brought us face to face with the idea of our own mortality in a way that we don't necessarily think about all the time. 
and that's impacted people differently. And then there's, they both talked about the worry and comparison brought on by social media with them, you know, comparing what they were doing with what other people were up to and, and, and what that brought up for them. And Nina was wondering whether she should release something now, whether she should be doing more. And she found her own response, really, I think, in, in building her social media following and connecting with people who love her music. And then Stuart found his own response in that beautiful piece, Equidistant, about silence and the gaps in between and what we might not notice. In both their responses, though, we can see how the idea of connection is really important because we're, we're social beings and, and one of our basic freedoms had disappeared to seek out and enjoy the company of others. We couldn't do it at the beginning of lockdown. So that sort of says something about Nina and kind of her finding a way to connect with the people who like her music and finding her fans online. But Stuart's response feels to me more about connecting through the ability to be able to express himself and using his response to the pandemic to kind of communicate how he was feeling and make a connection like that. Because he described the creativity involved as an act of self-care. And can you tell me a little bit about that? Because obviously, you know, for professional musicians, so much of what they do is tied up to their job, like part of that creative expression. How can you still access the benefits of creativity if that is your career? I mean, self-care is taking the time to work out what it is that nourishes us and what allows us to be in the best place to face what we do on a daily basis. And finding out what that can be can be a lifetime's work and it can change. It doesn't, doesn't stay the same. It's not the same at, at 20 or 35 or 45 or 50. And, that, and I was thinking about when was the last time that you spent any time thinking about the things that really make you feel good and safe and happy and relaxed? And we don't often gift ourselves time for that. Or we might work out what those things are, but then to actually allow ourselves the time to do those and engage in those pursuits in adulthood sometimes feels really difficult. And I think for musicians, it relates a little bit to what you were saying about falling in love with music when you first decide that that's what you want to do or it sort of, it it stirs something in you and it's like, oh, I'd like to do that. And then you end up with that as your career and job, like we've said, and then sort of losing that sense of wonderment when music becomes your job and you're facing different pressures and slowing down and making time to enjoy it in a different way can be really interesting. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to be talking to Simon Le Bon on uh, an interview recently in lockdown and he was sort of saying he lost his love of new music when they were on the road and, and making lots of their own music. I mean, it was really insular in terms of, you know, being surrounded by the music that they were making and then suddenly not touring and not being with the band during this period, he really, he's really rediscovered his love of new music in a way where he, he honestly, he's like a little boy talking about it. He's very excited. He's made his own radio show about it. His daughter's kind of bringing him new music. And that seems to me to be talking to the point that you're making about how do you, as a professional musician, keep your love alive for music when it's is what you're doing every day? And I think it is about sort of, making the time to to remember and and sort of taking the time to really connect with what it was that that first drew you in. And so obviously the UK is opening up more and more, but we're seeing local lockdowns and, you know, by no means are we out of this. I think we're all going to continue to feel these fluctuations probably quite extremely. Have you got any advice on how someone can actually manage that really fluctuating state I've been really advocating pausing and regrounding during this period. 
checking in with how you are, seeing if you can allow what is, not what you want it to be or what you think you should be feeling, but really just being with how it is. And I think so much of that sense of fluctuation is a response to an emotion that we find difficult to process or that we feel uncomfortable with and we don't want to feel. So I have been advocating 15 minutes, kind of all, a short time spent breathing and grounding and listening to music that we find soothing and letting the, the music kind of envelop you. So not breathing along to the music in time to or anything like that, but just surrendering to it. It's that sense that we might not ever recover any sense of control that adds to the kind of anxiety and the, the spikes in, you know, the fluctuation that, that we were talking about. And it's in the slowing down that we can give ourselves time to process what we're actually feeling and give ourselves the potential to make different choices. It sounds like a really simple thing to say, slow down. <laughs> but actually, it can be really uncomfortable for people. And I think that's often why people come to therapy, because it's not often easy to instigate or do that yourself. And you just mentioned about how you've, you've been doing 15-minute meditations. I think sometimes, you know, if, if it's difficult to slow down, it can be particularly difficult to just sit with your own thoughts. Can you tell me about some of the benefits of meditation? Why is it so good to engage with it? Because it's to do with regulation. And regulating our breathing brings our awareness back to the present moment. And unless we're in immediate danger in that, in that moment... A lot of the fear is about what might happen. And bringing our awareness back to that present moment can lessen anxiety and stress and cortisol levels go down in the brain. And so grounding ourselves can be hugely important during this period of anxiety because we don't have our usual frameworks for reference often at the moment. They're either non-existent or we can't do the usual things that we, that we normally do to soothe ourselves or to, you know, that, that we'd normally turn to. I mean, I've started running again. I haven't run for years, but it's sort of, it's, it, I found it really meditative in that way that it sort of slows me down. It allows me space to think. And music can be a real touchstone for people in terms of self-soothing and important in lowering stress levels and allowing ourselves to take a breath. And it allows the nervous system to maintain or regain some balance. And our immune systems can be stronger after that, which actually I think is particularly important when we're going through a pandemic that affects that very part of ourselves, you know, lungs and right. immune systems. And breathing is one of those things you say to people, right, stop and think about your breath. And it's like, what? Because you don't often sort of yeah. think about how we're breathing. And in fact, it's one of those things that until you're asked to, you just, you do, don't you? But once you start paying attention to it, you realise it's kind of an entire body activity. And it acts as a kind of massage to our visceral organs. So, and that includes our lungs, which are our primary respiratory resource. And they're not hollow, they're full of tissue. So in a way, massaging them really is kind of like a workout for them. So, as I said, you know, we're obviously not, we're not through the worst yet by any means. And the prognosis for the industry at the moment is not looking particularly positive, at least in the short term. Is there anything that you've seen in your work that gives you hope about how the sector recovers in the future? I mean, if I think about feeling hopeful about music, I sort of turn to just the way in which people have connected, artists, musicians, fans of music, at a time when they can't actually meet physically. They can't go to a gig, they can't get into a festival, they can't, you know, we can't meet in the ways that we normally would. And the creativity in that and how the industry has adapted 
now you know over a very short term period allowing people to actually connect through music how we sustain that long term is a different matter there is an initiative launched through the UK platform UK Music at the start of this month called Let the Music Play which is hundreds of UK musicians and artists and people in the music industry lobbying the government for more support for our music industry because it's it's one of our biggest cultural and economic exports that in and of itself sort of demonstrates the how the industry can come together and mobilize itself so i i f- i feel kind of positive in the sense that actually it feels like there's a collective will to take care of our our music industry which is vital please do let me know how this period has been for you and tell me what you've done that has helped you to get through it you can email elevatemusicpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Elevate Music Pod. And don't forget, you can find out what support and funding is available for you in our show notes below. Finally, here's Mark Richardson, Skunk and Nancy drummer and co-founder of the charity Music Support. How have the music support community been over the last few months? Music support have been fabulous. I mean... It's been really difficult. I won't sugarcoat it. it. We we nearly lost it. But thanks to the resilience of Matt and Eric in particular from Music Support, they managed to, and the other trustees, managed to find a way through the difficulties and they managed to way to survive. And, you know, a lot of charities have been in the same position and we've probably lost a lot of charities that haven't been able to do that. So they've just been incredibly diligent you know, in terms of crossing the T's and dotting the I's and really resilient and incredibly innovative in terms of finding funding. You know, at a time when that's what everybody's after. Everybody wants funding in order to survive. And But they managed to find it. And we've been helping people. You know, Joanne, the services officer in, in the office, has been answering the phone and been on calls to musicians throughout the crisis who have been saying, you know, I don't know what the future, what, what's, what's going to happen? I don't know. I'm so uncertain about the future. And so to be able to be there to pick up the phone to the people that call is just brilliant. I mean, I, I, we used to take it in turns when we first started music support. So I know what it feels like to have somebody incredibly anxious on the other end of the phone and then for them to get some kind of relief from talking to somebody else about their problem. And, and very often that's all they needed to do was to be heard. And that's what that helpline does incredibly well. It hears and signposts. So very proud of them all. So you mentioned about signposting when musicians are calling you. What have you been signposting musicians to over the last few months? So we get a lot of calls, people that need their meds readjusting. So we signpost to the NHS, we signpost to fully vetted and fully qualified service providers, basically. So we almost build a bespoke response to each caller, depending on what they need, whether that's funding for treatment, an ear to listen to, or a therapist. And obviously you support people in recovery a lot. How have those members of the music support community been able to be supported during the pandemic? Because obviously I would imagine that 12-step meetings have been temporarily paused. 
they have, but what Music Support provided was an online meeting. So that happens every Monday at six o'clock. So that's essentially the same format as a 12-step meeting and happens every week, six till seven. And it's there really for anybody to share, no matter what your 12-step home group is, you can come to the Music Support meeting and, and just be amongst other recovering people. And is that something that you think is going to continue for a while? Do you see this sort of going forward for another few months or so? Or is it something that you might adopt continually in the future? I would like to see it adopted continually just because I think it's something that we should be providing. I mean, you know, if you're out on the road and and you can't get to a meeting, then there's no reason virtually why we couldn't do this every day, you know, so that, I don't know, when the drum tech's finished you know, he's off for his dinner and he's finished setting the kit up and he goes off for his dinner and then he goes for his nap. He can he can just jump online and have a little meeting as well. You know, I think that those are the sorts of things that make a massive difference when you're on the road. Just that connection with people and that connection with other addicts is so vital because you're connecting to other people that understand addiction, understand what it's about and understand where you're coming from and understand how difficult it is. And generally, how have people with addiction issues been coping during the lockdown? They tend to fall into two camps, and that is those that just kind of hit the big red button and go sod it, and the ones that kind of go, I need to stay sober, I need help, and they reach out. So there's really no grey area, there's not really much in between. It's just a matter of being there for the ones that reach out to us. So I know that Music Support recently launched the Thrive app, which, again, is an amazing digital resource. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Thrive is the only NHS-approved and clinically effective wellbeing app offering 24-7 help, and it's focused on the prevention and early detection of common mental health problems. So basically, you start an account, you fill it out, and you start making notes of how you're feeling, filling in, you know, working with the app basically. And and over time that builds up a chart of your well-being and how you're doing and suggests things to do and suggests other solutions and basically helps with the early detection, prevention and management of common mental health disorders. I mean, I've been really struggling myself mentally during lockdown. I have a lot of health issues of my own, so it, it did trigger off quite a lot of fear and anxiety. But I, I did download the Thrive app and I did find it really helpful. And I think the timing factor was so great that it was something digital that actually when people were really struggling on their own with mental health issues, there was actually something that you launched that you know anyone could access and, and they could actually use the tools themselves to try and improve their situation. It was fantastic, really good initiative and um, super proud of the guys for, for getting it up and running. I mean, Eric and Matt, again, you know, they've just been instrumental in getting this done and getting it through and getting it up and running and working and out there and, and the partners as well. You know, it takes a lot of people to kind of get these things done. So, Mark, obviously you're a musician yourself. How have you found this period for your musicianship and creativity have you been affected by anything that's been going on yeah it's it's really affected it to be honest I mean skin was in New York when lockdown happened so she was out there we we just started a load of songwriting so that had to stop we couldn't go into the studio to record it any any of the stuff that we'd already done 
And we moved house, so my studio is basically three containers, which is full of all our household goods at the moment, so that's not built yet. So I was fortunate that I had the masters to to focus on. So creatively, I personally have been not doing anything apart from the studying, but my wife's been amazingly creative. She is an artist in her own right, and she's been doing online gigs and she works with the floor which is a fundraising facility and she's been doing lots of been getting really creative on that front to try and just keep going and collaborating with people online and I I suppose one thing I did do for the thesis was I commissioned a piece of music from a friend who I used to play drums with in Amy MacDonald and he wrote the music for the podcast that I've done for my artifact so I suppose there was a little bit of creativity in there. In your work with your thesis, is there anything that you've come across that gives you hope for the future? I am very hopeful that the industry will survive. I mean, I think by our very nature, we are resilient. Thank you to Stuart, Nina, Namone and Mark for sharing their experiences with me. In the next episode, I'll be talking to two musicians who've had to overcome financial difficulties as a result of the pandemic. Industry expert Mike Burgess has lots of financial advice and tells me how you can make the most out of your PRS royalties. And also Horace Truebridge, the General Secretary of the Musicians' Union, talks about how the music community has been affected over the last few months. If you would like to find out more about my research and work, have a look at lucyhayman.com. And don't forget, you can follow the podcast on social media at Elevate Music Pod on Twitter and at Elevate Music Podcast on Instagram. You've been listening to the Elevate Music Podcast with me, Lucy Heyman, in partnership with Help Musicians, an independent charity which provides essential and enduring support to make a meaningful difference to the lives of professional musicians. Visit helpmusicians.org.uk to learn more about the support they offer.